0: Horrific Network Entertainment. Welcome back, everybody, to another horrific podcast. Hope you all had a great Easter weekend. We are definitely moving and shaking this Thursday. Get ready for round two of Halfway to Halloween announcements, guest announcements, I should say. Uh, Halfway to Halloween, man, is our online convention all centered around being able to uh, raise funds, support, have uh, a great time with you guys, but also be able to um, raise funds for Hunters Against Hate. So far, this is who we have announced but we are hopeful that we are going to be able to have uh, a lot more announced uh, here in... Well, I'm not even hopeful that we're going to have a lot more announced. I know we're going to have a lot more announced this week, uh, but this is what we have announced thus far. We have Snack and Flick Podcast, Fast Pass with Us podcast, vlogger, YouTube creators. You have wanted to determine who your your top HHN icon is. We're going to do that as Horrific Championship Wrestling gives you the battle of the Horror Nights icons. That is going to be a big time fun time. Uh, with the Mr. Wonderful and Review It Rob shows from the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Haunter's Podcast. The Thrill Me Podcast Network. The Screening Room Podcast, with a live uh, showing of House on Haunted Hill, the Vincent Price House on Haunted Hill. Higby Horror Haunt is back, and they have a huge announcement regarding their uh, haunt season for 2022. Artist 8-Bit Nick is going to be doing a demonstration, an art demo, for his works and how he does his works. We're going to be doing a a uh, preview of Christmas Cards From Hell, our new film, coming out later this year. Author, actor, film festival judge Josh Milliken will be with us. Vertical talent agency owner, CEO, and uh, one half of the producing team, promotion team of Sinister Creature Con, Brian Jones is going to be with us. Actress, host, content creator, director, Michelle Nesk is going to be with us. Director, Sean Heights is going to be with us. Makeup effects artist, Joe Castro, going to be with us. Actress, Brooke Lewis Bellas, going to be with us. So that is what we have announced so far. Right now, uh, on Thursday, we have another slew of guest announcements coming. And I got to tell you, man, round two, just as good as round one. This event is going to be stacked May 20th through the 22nd here. Uh, a little uh, over 30 days away cannot wait today my guest christian davis composer movie composer uh we had a really cool conversation with christian man he is doing uh, his latest work the nameless days uh is a really crazy horror film creeped me out has a really cool story attached to it that also creeped me out And, uh, yeah, man, I think that Christian really puts a, a big time, um, big time, you know, look at where we are with Nameless Days and with, uh, just working on film, composing music, all of that is brought to you uh, by christian here as he really lets us into everything that goes on with that process and his process so without further ado you know news and uh housekeeping and all that such is a little light this week just because we are gearing up for halfway to halloween and we really are getting ready for it so yeah enjoy christian davis Go watch The Nameless Days. I say that like three times during this interview because it is a really good movie. And yeah, here it is, man. All right, gang. If you know me, if you've watched our show, which if you're watching this, you probably do and you have, you know I love a good horror movie about uh, things coming back from the dead, so to speak. And this new movie that we are going to talk about, which is now available, called Nameless Days, takes that premise and really adds the uh, isolation and desperation factor to it. But according to the uh, Mayan calendar, there is a select number of days that the uh, the uh, evil spirits can return to Earth, and they do in this film, and it's done pretty damn well, in my opinion. And today to talk about it, Nameless Days, we have composer with us, Christian Davis. Christian, how you doing, man?
1: Pretty good, thanks. Happy to be here.
0: Um, this movie, right before we start recording, I actually you know, had mentioned uh, one of the directors, Andrew uh, Mitchum and his partner Matthew Whedon. Andrew came on, uh, you know, six, seven months ago, maybe a little bit longer, to talk about his film Behind You, which was creepy. You. Compose that. Now you guys go on to this next feature, Nameless Days. Um, Totally different feeling horror film where behind you was, you know, centered inside that house and stuff. And this one, the, the demon or monster spirit combination of the three is uh, terrorizing and uh, harvesting on uh, the, um, people trying to cross the border from Mexico into Texas, uh, the trailer, which did you compose the music for the trailer too?
1: Um, I didn't. I, I That's usually a different different job. Someone else usually does the trailer.
0: I was just going to say it sounds completely different from the actual movie, uh, mm-hmm. but it does kind of highlight for you if you check out the trailer on YouTube or anywhere, the basic premise that, you know, this this beast this monster comes back for a certain amount of time and it happens to come back out of uh this cave-esque dwelling that is on that border and all these people are crossing the border and they are choosing uh this layer of sorts as kind of a route and uh it does not go so well for them and then we we get to meet our main antagonist and uh our, I should say our main protagonist. We meet our main antagonist. But uh, our main uh, uh, protagonist, Nicole Alley. Um, I'm going to butcher her last name.
1: Um, I guess Le- it's mine, yeah.
0: Leondez and uh, Charles Halford as Charlie, who plays her dad. And really, this becomes a, a movie of survival and stuff as they're trying to basically outlast the, allo- outlast the allotted amount of time that this monster is uh killing people but i liked it because the tonality that you chose as the composer it progressively made me feel more and more uneasy like you weren't really reliant on like those sharp like stinger rooms or any of that to really get the scare you were really I guess the, the score of this movie felt very atmospheric and complimentary to what was happening. So congratulations, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I know it would definitely, you know, first, you know, the first talks with Andrew and, and Matt was, you know, we always talk about, well, what, what do you, what do you want the score to be? Right. Like, like talk to me about their vision. Right. And, and they said, just kind of, they said, I want it to be sparse, totally different from them behind you, right behind you. As you mentioned, it was like, it, kind of like a, a haunted house type of thing, right? There was the spirit in the house, and it was very traditional. The, the, the film and the score was very orchestral. Lots of, like, you know, you know dissonance and jump scares. And, and then this one is, like, no, this one is exact opposite. This one's got to be sparse and, and and desolate and minimal. Like we, don't, we don't want it to feel traditional in any way, right? And so um, just kind of the way they shot it, too. They, they shot it with these big, you know you feel like in the middle of nowhere, right? These big desert landscapes and, 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 and just nothing around. Um, And, and I try to do my best to kind of create some sort of, you know, um, just uneasy atmosphere throughout the whole thing.
0: Do you do a good job?
1: uh,
0: (laughs) The, uh, the film in itself, you know, centered around uh, this ancient calendar And then he is uh, out in that remote property, presumably Texas, Mexico border and stuff like, with all of this being Andrew and uh, Matthew's second one, big feature, you know, horror feature, full-length film together, and then with you being part of that too, was that something like, do you know we'll get into you, to we'll get into you uh, here in a second because you've done a bunch of cool different stuff that is far from horror like Transformers cartoons and stuff like that which is cool, but uh, from a horror fan, when I was in in film school and the shorts and stuff that I've made, I've always wanted to kind of do one of each some subgenre of horror too, and now having had them and now you on the show. And it is a completely different subgenre of horror um working on both of them with them. Is that something that you think that they are trying to to do or are they just kind of like doing it as they as it pops into their mind or you don't get to see that too often I guess is my point is where such a drastic change but within the same umbrella of horror
1: yeah, I mean obviously i don't I don't know what what you know what was going through Andrew and Matt's minds when they, when they made them. But I think, I think generally I can speak for myself as, as a composer, as a, as a creative person. And you understand this too, as a filmmaker, fellow filmmaker, you know, you want to always try to uh, challenge yourself and, and, and break out of whatever box you might be in. So, you know, I think they, you know, and it was fun for me too, to, to say, okay, then on the last one, we did it this way. Let's do a totally different kind of horror film this time. Right. You know, just like, um, you know, like like no one wants to get pigeonholed in, in one one little niche. And so I think that I don't know where the inspiration for the story came from, but it's a really cool story. Um, um, that's an Andrew and Matt question, but 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 man, it was it was it was definitely, you know, you couldn't put these movies back next to each other and imagine it's the same directors, right? Behind you in Nameless Days are just so different. The story, the pacing, the, the cinematography, the, the whole thing, the whole concept is just totally different. They they, yeah. they definitely pulled it off
0: so for you in going and you know looking at their their dailies or looking at their their hard edits and everything and you're starting to compose this music what for you is your process like do you like seeing footage as a shot do you like seeing rough cuts like how do you go about it
1: um you know every movie is a little bit different but generally i like to if I can, if the schedule permits to get involved with like a rough cut, there's no, there's not too much sense in getting involved with dailies, you know, or getting involved in the script stage, you know, I might read a script, but like, it's hard for me. It's such a visceral reaction to, to seeing, you know, the, the, what they've shot. Right. Once I, you know, I, I, I see a scene with the actors and their emotions and I just react to it. Right. When I have an idea when it comes to music, coming off of a page you know um or even dailies so much you're not gonna you're just not gonna be able to really you know react to that to the full extent so i usually hold off until there's at least a rough cut um if not a locked cut um on this one actually it was such a fast turnaround it was it was a locked cut so i didn't you know they didn't there's no editorial changes after i after they gave it to me um and and the first thing is you know i'll spend a couple of days with this sitting with the movie watching it a few times um um coming up with ideas and then we'll have a big we call it a spotting session we just i'll get i'll get andrew madden get the directors in it i mean it takes it takes half a day at least of uh, just going through the movie stopping and starting and 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 you know talking about oh what do you think we should do here should we do you, you want this to be scary or or do you want do you want music here at all do you just want silence and sound design do you want the heavy lifting and we just go through you know scene by scene by scene um and you know a two-hour movie takes you five hours of 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 meeting time right it's just it's a long long exhaustive process and and so you know that's that's the first step and then um after that you know i go away to my 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 studio and 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 i'll usually i usually try to tackle kind of the most challenging most important scenes first i know that that's the one that's gonna you know that's gonna matter the most. It's going to have them, they're going to have the most opinions about. Um, and it's also going to, you know, once you, once you, yeah, I, I always, I'm always trying to crack the score trying to, you know, it's like solving a puzzle. And once I, once I've made the directors happy with, with that, with, with a couple of those really important scenes, I, I, I feel like, you know, and that takes multiple revisions that I'm like, cool. Now I know what they want. Now I know how to do the rest of the movie, you know? So, um, you know, you can break it down into the smaller scenes. So that's that's usually that's kind of my process for starting. And on this one, um, basically how it went: started with the lock cut, went and scored the big scenes towards the end of the movie first, and then use that to to kind of you know trickle down to the other stuff.
0: It's interesting that you hearing you do that, cause just because the majority of composers that we have had like to do it um, narratively. So it's interesting that you you like to jump around a lot, sounds like, which is kind of cool. So is it like, do you tackle the scene as far as what you know is going to be the most um, heavy, inducive as far as workload? Thus, it like you just said the the bigger scenes, and then do you draw from? those scenes to kind of fill in the gaps or are there certain projects that it's completely different from a to you know, call that a to e like have you ever worked on a project where the tonality may be pretty consistent but there is some pretty steady like drop-offs or like whoa type of stuff and how is that as a composer do you prefer to work on a project that does something like that? Or do you kind of like it to be all in the same, same vein, pretty much?
1: No, I mean, there's definitely, it, it's, it's there's certain films where the tone's going to be pretty consistent throughout. Um, um, and there's always going to be more than one theme I mean, it's not, it would just be a really boring score if you just had one theme, but like, so like, like on the name of days, for example, I've got the first hand is, I wrote the, I call it this, we called it the serpent theme, right? Cause, um, Cause Andrew and Matt just kept referring to like, you know, there's this Aztec demon that's come back to steal the babies. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, we, and you can kind of mention this in, in, in your intro that there's not a lot of like real jumpy stuff. Right. It's kind of, it's like a slow burn. This creature moves really slowly. And it's a, they call it like a, like a serpent chasing a mouse, just kind of, you know, slithering through the grass. Right. Um, and so the serpent theme is this kind of big, like, rawr, these big kind of like bendy cords and that's you know that's and I, t- I wrote that first right at the end of the movie, um, like the kind of the biggest climactic scene, and then but then there's also spots in the movie that you need know, I wrote like I, what I call like a happy theme and a sad theme right because mm-hmm. there's a couple of moments in the movie where like we actually want to or we want to feel relief we want to feel some a bit of bit of you know sentimentality, and then but there's also times when we, you know we're gonna. We're gonna to want to feel sadness too. So those are the. It's basically that though. So I wrote. I, I wrote three scenes to kind of write. I picked a sad scene, a happy scene, and then the serpent. You know, the scary scene, right? To kind of get my my my, my main three three themes down, and then um, and yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I might. I don't know if I'm answering your question well, but no, you, but are. you are. the um, you know, when I first started doing this but you know i guess like 15 years ago it first started my, my first films i did kind of work in a narrative way and I, i've heard of i've heard of you know big a-list composers doing it both ways right like i've heard of um obviously michael giacchino like i could once interviewed about for like you know he was doing the tv show lost he would see he would just say give me the episode and he would actually would just he would write he'd start watching it whenever he felt like there did to be music he would just stop and he'd compose that music and not mm-hmm. not know how the episode ended right um, and, and that's a very narrative way, you know, chronological way of, of scoring an episode or scoring a film, you know, um, uh, um, which I think can work really well. Um, and then I've also, you know, you, you, you listened to an interview with like John Williams and like, and, and like the ET score, for example, right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like, like the, the very end of the movie is when all the themes come together, He's been hinting at these, 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 all these, these musical motifs throughout the entire movie, and then finally, when they take flight, it's like boom, there it is, right? So like he yeah. he kind of worked from the back, he started at the end in, in mind, and then and then worked forwards, right? Um, so, so and I, so I have found I've tried it both ways. For me, I generally like the the John Williams way to start with the end or start with the kind of biggest, the media scenes first cause they're going to give you the most to, to, to compose with. And, 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 you know, you're gonna have the most to say in those scenes. And then it then it's, a, that I find it a lot easier to kind of score the smaller scenes um that, you know, because they'll be, they'll be informed by what you've all the work you've done on the, the bigger scenes. If that, if that makes sense.
0: No, it does. And my, my next thing I was going to ask you is, you know, one of the, the parts of your score that kind of stood out were, there were certain scenes with her, with her and her dad. With her dad, is definitely like a tragic hero type figure. Like his wife left him. Their single dad living on this ranch. Um, doesn't get along with his brother. Doing his best to be a good dad to his daughter. But uh, the night that you know he's kind of dr- drinking. Uh, too much when he finds out that his daughter's got plans to move to California. And there's like this really subtle music in the beginning, like when her and her dad are having these exchanges that you as a cat, like if you're a casual movie fan, because once you go to film school, you never watch it the same way again. (laughs) Right? Um, It's like one of those, like some of those, the music like casual movie fan, you may not even notice it. But as someone who's had to use, like, temp music and royalty-free stuff for assignments Mm -hmm. and having teachers say, like, put music in, even if they're just doing something, like, there needs to be something there. And there absolutely always does, like, because you'll – if there's nothing there, you're automatically going to notice it. But if it's the right amount and it's, like, the right, I guess, pitch to to the score, like, it's almost there and you don't even notice it until you're like really like processing everything your mind is taking in stuff like that compared to your serpent theme where it's like shit's hitting the fan <laughs> like where like what do you like composing um and if it's the same it's the same but i was gonna say what do you get like more of a kick out of Doing is it like that subtle stuff that you know that not everyone may not even notice just because they're so enthralled in the scene, or do you like that? Like, no, here comes this freaking demon, and she's coming to harvest you, and mm-hmm. here's the theme that accompanies that.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I definitely, um, um, man, you know, like, like, like the the ironic thing here's here's the, the first thing I'll say is that like, ironically, sometimes the smallest stuff is yeah. just as hard as the huge bombastic stuff right yeah because like, like like you know practicing that restraint and, and 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 like and like like i i'm pretty confident i'm, I'm trying to remember correctly with, with that kind of a, that cue between her and her dad um it's like actually it's track three i think it's track three on the um the album on this coming out uh tomorrow called drunk and sober is the name, the name, the name of the track um anyway um so Man, I I I scored that one the first time, way bigger, right? A lot more emotion going on, like probably like some, I don't know, some strings and pianos. I had a bunch of stuff, and Andrew Andrew Matt were like, no, no, strip it down, strip it down, right? And so you have to kind of like go into to what, which is like just a couple of things playing instead of a dozen things. Um, And so I spent almost as much time thinking about that and, and working on those small cues, and um and they're challenging um i do i would say if i had a pick though i'd probably pick the big awesome you know throw the kitchen sink out of cues when you're just like there's you know all restraints are off and you can just you know go nuts uh with the big action stuff the big you know chase stuff with the big kind of gnarly that serpent theme right that that's that's really fun i mean that, that that's that's more fun than the the smaller emotional stuff but they're both equally challenging in different ways
0: it's always interesting because from having the camera in your hand or directing or whatever, you always get told um, the same kind of thing like it's too much or like you don't, that's not necessary type of a thing. And it's interesting to hear you as a composer say that kind of stuff because I think in any art, you know, film production, um, audio recording you know musical artists the whole nine sculpting like pick your thing i think artists like what's in the head like when the vision is in the head like i think everybody who is a creative minded person works to get that vision out and sometimes the vision in the head may not convey itself as well as like 70 percent of that vision is like an a plus to someone whose vision that is not versus the creator of of said vision are maybe looking at it like damn i only got like 70 percent of my what i wanted it to be but at the same time everybody else is like no this is exactly what we need
1: yeah yeah i mean that's definitely right i mean there's and well as as you know on a film it's such a collaborative process right Like, like you know my it's not the Christian Davis show. So yeah. <laughs> people want not buying tickets to the Christian Davis show. So it's, it's about serving the film and, 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 you know, the captain of that ship or is, is, is our director, you know, or directors in this case. And so, so yeah. So, I mean, same thing with honestly with, with the, with, with the serpent theme as well, that one, the final thing you, you're hearing is probably like, like the fifth revision. Cause like the, I, again, I started off with too much going on you know, I don't know if overcompensating or whatever, just like just you know, and they're like, no, strip it down. And so like, you know, that cue is, is a is a marriage of of you know, melding of the minds, as you will, of Andrew and Matt and and, and mine, you know, um, to get to where it is and to create Craig, create I think, turned out really cool, you know, but like mm. it was just if I didn't have them, you know, giving me feedback and and working with me, it would it would be a totally different score, you know. Um yeah. And 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 so sometimes they're right. Seventy percent is enough. And 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 my hundred percent had to you know had to then strip it down to seventy percent to get it to where they wanted it to be. And kind of meeting in the middle. Um, I mean, maybe they would have had it had it be even even more subtle and more sparse than what I had. But kind of that meeting in the middle, I think, was a nice a nice place to, to land for sure.
0: Well, as the consumer, as the just casual movie horror fan, uh, I would say, yeah, it, it was. Brad as hell, okay.
1: uh, awesome. The uh, yeah, you never know. You never know because, I mean, like, I, as you know, you as you as having made films, like, you just you can never step back and just watch it, you know, like, and and, and have it as oh, a consumer, yeah. as an audience member, because you just you know where all the you know the the warts are and all the things you would have done differently and all whatever you know, and, and it's just so. That's the, thank you for that. It's good. It's great to hear that.
0: My it's funny because my wife last November, so right after Halloween, I got like my short film in this festival. And it was the first time that it was like a bigger festival. And I like went dressed up and we went to the theater and we're watching the film the whole time. And you're, you're thousand percent correct. Like the whole film, which we knew like the back of our hands anyway, the whole time my wife is holding my hand, smiling and she's watching and she keeps like looking at my reaction and she said I was just dead the whole time. And she was like, "What are you like? What were you, you know, you taking it in? Like, what were you doing?" I'm like looking at everything that needs to get changed,
1: <laughs>
0: and, and like everything that had like hadn't had time to to do the way that I wanted it to do. And I was like, "Besides that, I was listening to the people behind us to make sure they weren't saying this. How in the hell did this get in or anything like that?" Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, to watch to watch your own work or listen to your own work in that kind of a setting. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever be this. It will will never be the same. Um Once you've kind of walked through that veil and, and are putting your stuff out there
1: like that. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible to, to ever have that. So it's, it's good. Yeah, it's always good. I love, I love going to, you know, well, I love, and Hey, it's, it's frightening to go watch a movie with a, that you worked on with an audience and see how they, you know, you know, if it's if it's a comedy, see if they're laughing. If it's a horror, seeing if they're gasping, if they're scared. You know, or like, or you, the best. You know, people are usually pretty good about keeping thoughts to themselves inside of the theater. But like, you want to go out with, with the, when they're all walking away from the movie, or they're they go to the bathroom afterwards. That's when they're gonna be like, "Man, that movie sucked," or "That movie yeah. awesome." You know, can you believe that? that scene was so cool? You know, that, that's where you're gonna get the most honest, honest response. In the parking lot of the bathroom after the movie. Um, no one's listening. You know, but um but it's fun being a little flat going in as a spy, right. You know, just popping into the theater and no one knows you're the composer or the director, you know, actors it's harder because obviously they, they see you on the screen. So you can't be sneaky, but you know, when you're behind the scenes like us, you can, you can, you can definitely get in there and get some intel. Um, For sure. Yeah.
0: The, uh, the process with you revising, I'm curious as to like what that is like. So when you do like your first, you know take on the score for the film are you like getting back with them are you guys like watching the movie with the first draft of the score and taking notes as you guys go or do you send it to them they watch it take their notes send you notes how how does that all work out
1: yeah so that you know um and this it used to very much be in the room uh and, and when, when I, when I can do that, I love to do that. It's great to get a director, you know, just in the room with me. And, and we can, that way we can just, I can, I can, he can say, you know what, I'm not really, not really digging this sound right here. And I can just literally just fix it for him live right there in person. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really fast and efficient. Um, but at the same time, that's why it uh, used to always be that way. Obviously, you know, in the beginning of my career, but, but nowadays, you know, in the last five years, especially everyone's gotten so used to and comfortable with this, Frame.io, Vimeo, links, you know, um, Dropbox, whatever. And so, and and most people are, everyone seems busier now than they were, you know, 10 years ago. And <laughs> yeah. no one has the time to, to come over to my studio and meet with me in person. So especially over the last five years, it's just turned into almost a a, a telecommuting remote job. And, and so I'm sending links to, to Andrew and Matt and, um, and they'll give me some feedback, you know, an email or I'll hop on a phone call and then I'll do another pass on it. And, and send them another, another, another video link for them to, you know, and then if, if I'm really not, you know, if, if it's really like, well, man, I'm not getting this, they're not getting the score for me that they, that they want, then I'll say come to the studio and let's work on it together because obviously this kind of disconnect is, you know, sometimes it can work great. Other times you just can't, can you can't really truly collaborate. So I say come to the studio um, and let's, let, let's work it out. Um, the, uh, but, I don't know. That answer the what was the what was the whole question? No, you, you okay. kind of yeah. You answered.
0: You not only answered it. You almost gave the evolution of what it is like to work in film nowadays. Where, I mean, there's there's full length uh, features that Disney put out over the pandemic. That all the voice actors are all doing it from their bedroom closets, and then they're meeting with the directors via Zoom, and they're all kind of yeah. talking. And it is kind of it's both you know awesome to see that from being at like the low independent level, like, Hey man, like no more. And I was telling them on the thing we're working like right now, I'm like, Hey, like the guys that are at the highest level are still dealing with the aftermath of the last couple years, as far as they're now taking some of the things that they have learned as far as the, the what was looked at um, by people that I graduated with, with like the unfortunate circumstance and they're using it to better their just overall production and some of it into practice. And I think that if you're able to do that remotely and get it, then all the more power to you. But I do agree with you. There's something to be said that when you're looking at footage in a room together, uh, I think I, the, the feeding of the energy of the room is a, definitely something that benefits film, too, when you're in those late night sessions around a table and this works, this doesn't, why, and you're having those kind of conversations that kind of can get daunting if you're just looking at a computer screen.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, that just, it's just true of all communication, right? There's only so much information you can get from a text message, right? Yeah. And so much information you can get, you can get that much more from a phone call or a, or a Zoom. And then there's it, the highest level of human communication is you're in the person. You can, there's, you can actually like sense their body language, you know, like, because the director might not want to tell the composer that he hates the cue. <laughs> he's like, it's totally wrong. So he's going to say, he's going to use words of like, well, it's just not totally there. I, I like it. I like it. I like it. But, you know, and then they're kind of beating around the bush. And then I can say, you know what? I think this cue, I can I can react to that and say this cue is totally wrong. I think I should do a, a whole rewrite from, from the ground up, right? Because I can tell that they don't want to tell me that but from their body language, right? You can't get yeah. that over, over an email or, or, or even a for phone sure. call, you know? Um, sure. But, um, you know, and then I think you, I remember the other part of the question, you're kind of talking about like watching the whole thing down too. So, I mean, after I tackle these, these important scenes, and again, the, 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 the important scenes, you know, the big kind of three that for this movie, it was three, three, you know, um, themes, motifs that I wrote. After, after I went through five, six, seven revisions on those, and those are locked down, then I say, then that, you know, I usually tell my directors, I'm like, okay, cool. Now, let me just go write the rest of the score. You know, like we've done all of our experimentation, our R&D on these th- on two, three, four, five, six really important scenes. Now, let me just write the whole film so we can kind of, we've done this micro thing. Now let's go macro. And then we can sit, and then I'll send that to them and, and we can actually just we, we can see how the whole movie feels and we're gonna have a lot of then we're gonna have a lot of you know feedback on oh this cue is too long this cue is too short i don't like where it starts i don't like where it stops you know kind of the stuff we talk about when we're spotting the movie you know in the beginning but until you actually have my music in there that i've composed for this movie you really he can't react to it in a certain way and i mean just kind of like i mean in that scenario i actually feel there's some there's some benefits to having a, a director watch it just on their own time mm-hmm. I think there's a certain also a certain pressure when you're in the room with with the composer you know like whereas like they can watch it they can just be in their pajamas and then watch the movie like like <laughs> the bowl of popcorn just chilling mm-hmm. and they can, they can have time they can think about it for a couple of days before they act to me whereas if i say come to my studio we're gonna watch the whole movie together then it's just like they have to be on, on point and figure it, come up with ideas yeah. and, and I'm, I'm kind of almost applying a bit of a deadline or pressure to them. So in that scenario, you know, I'm actually, t- I think it's kind of great that they can send them a link and they can watch it, you know, when they're, when they're happiest and they're most comfortable and, and they're not like tired or stressed or whatever. And they don't have to drive all the way over to my studio. Um, so I, there's pros and cons to this, this new, new way of working. I, I think there's a lot of pros, but definitely they, it's, it's still like, if something's not gelling something's not working then you got to get in the room together you know as best you can or, or on a zoom together whatever you can i mean something more than text and emails so with this
0: um the nameless days being out and behind you before it i gotta ask what you know what is it like as a composer to do something like this but then you also get to mess around with uh figures from my childhood uh that like shows like transformers and stuff that is like a polar complete opposite of the tone of uh the nameless days like that's got to be fun to be able to say you got to work on
1: yeah no, that was a really cool one that was that was a fun project that, that one is um so i was doing what we call additional music on the transformers cartoon mm-hmm. um which uh means that you know the the composer the, the main composer, his name is Kevin Kiner, um, a good good family friend, good friend of mine since as a kid. Um, He's the main composer, and with these TV schedules, everyone's got to hire help, right? You can't you can't just do one man can't or a woman, human cannot cannot deliver, you know, the music they need on a, in in four days, right? TV's brutal. TV's like here's an episode, you know, we need forty minutes of music, you know, and by by the end of the week, right? And so. So, so what what often happens on these TV shows um, is that they'll hire a, they call them additional music composers, like subcontracting, right? So, like he's going to come up with like the motifs and the palette, and the, and he's going to guide the show. He's going to write a lot of the, as much of the show as he can, and then whatever he can't, he he'll hire out to me and, and there's a couple other guys in that show. Um, and dude, it was awesome. I'm just saying, like it it, it it's it's a, that you know I always talk about playing in different sandboxes, right? I, I love. What I love most about this job, you know, why I pursued this job is in music. I love music, but I didn't want to become like pigeonholed in like one thing. Like It's so cool that like one month I can be writing scary, you know, horror music. And then the next month I can be writing cartoon transformers, epic battle music. And then the next month I could be writing like, like rom-com music, you know, like, it's like, it's just like, so it never gets boring, you know? Um, um of course you know there was it was cool you could kind of harken back to some of those transformer themes but yeah that that was a blast that was that was a great gig to work on um love working on that show
0: is there a certain genre is you just a fan a movie fan tv fan what is your favorite uh thing to watch when you're not trying to compose for it just to sit with your bowl of popcorn and chill out
1: <laughs> um it's you know I um if I if I don't have a favorite genre but it's just it depends on the day like I'm like today's been a rough day I need some comedy you know like I need something light or today's <laughs> like or or sometimes ironically today's been a, a, a stressful day and I need something something you know brutal on. yeah brutal like, I'm like give me give me something you know something serious and heavy I don't know, it's weird how like I don't know how I what I want to watch but like um. But I mean, just like yeah, I mean, some nights it's 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 drama, it's thriller. Some nights it's it's horror. Some nights it's comedy. It's just it's just uh, I love it all. It's it's hard to pick a favorite genre.
0: You're a well-rounded movie fan, just like your uh your <laughs> filmography.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that, that's the thing because like I've spent like you know like as I said before why I left why I love this job and why I got into this because like I'm grinding on like on like scary horror music for like you know six weeks the last thing i want to do after that is just do another horror movie like i i almost never re- repeat genres back to back it's like you know i, I did like the nameless days and then I, what did i do after that i did a christmas movie <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then i did a kid venture movie kind of like a, a chronicles of narnia type thing you know like like big orchestral fanfares and then You know, um, next up for me, starting next week, is like I'm doing another like thriller. You know, so it's just like, because you spend so much time, you know, uh, when you get so deep, you spend so many hundreds of hours on these on these movies in that one kind of film. this just, it's just like I can't imagine just jumping right into another one. You know, I I don't know if I have any good ideas, honestly. That's that's part of it too. It's like by jumping to a different genre, it's like cool. Now it's fresh again. It's fresh. It's like a, it's like a reboot um, musically and sonically for my brain. Um, But, but yeah, that's, that's, it's kind of, I guess, my, my viewing habits and my, my work habits, both revolve around constant change, you know?
0: What's your, obviously the size of the film or show affects it immensely. You talked about the, 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 Pace in which television works like four days later, we need the score of, you know, Transformers episode 2.7, what have you. That rapid, like fast paced work environment. Um, What is the time that it takes you to compose a movie? (laughs) Your length.
1: Yeah. So, so movies um, generally four to eight weeks. Um, I like six weeks if I can get it. You know, the more time, the better, but, but about, you know, anywhere from one month to two months. Um, uh, I was just
0: asking, I'm, I'm asking you that because I was having a debate with a buddy that I work with over. He was geeked out over hearing that Mandalorian season three just wrapped thinking that it was going to come out in like June. And I just laughed <laughs>
1: at him. <laughs> no, there's so much post. There's editing, VFX, sound, music.
0: Um. But yeah, like to, I would say your answer out of the composers I've gotten to talk to that like a month to two month somewhere in there seems to be like the average. That so six week mark you said that seems to be the mean of the of the equation. Most yeah. people seem like they like that time period.
1: Well, I've done some movies like in two weeks, wow. <laughs> and like, and I mean it's not it's not something I aspire to. Um, but basically like they came to me and, and they needed a score in two weeks. And then they're like, you'll we'll give you no notes. There's no, you, you just do your thing. Like, like you just do your thing, whatever it is, what it is. Cause it, it was a TV movie. It was the, that Christmas movie I was telling you about that was last fall. I did that. And like, it was just like, yeah, this thing's on, this thing airs in three weeks. We have two weeks to do a score, just crank something out. And like, you know, it's not, you're not going to do your best music, you know, <laughs> in yeah. two weeks but the only way to get that done is just to, is for it to just not be a collaborative thing, not, you know, whatever. And, and, and I actually think it turned out pretty good considering the, the time frame. I mean, now if you're doing a bigger movie, I mean, here's, here's the difference between like, like TV low budget films and TV and, and big budget films. Right. Um, you know, uh, at the beginning of my career as an assistant for, you know, for Rupert Gregson Williams. And like, we I mean, mostly worked on Adam Stanley comedies, but, on those adam Sandler comedies are 80 million dollar movies you know like we would um you know we would spend three months on like a just the smallest little bit of comedy score because like they were edited they're trying so many things like they, when they have that much money on the line you know or you're dealing with like a 200 million dollar blockbuster they're, yeah. gonna be, they're gonna do 100 test screenings they're gonna recut everything like they're just gonna pick it apart because they're gonna they have to nail it because so much money's on the line and they're gonna do you know like the final mix of a movie will be at least two weeks you know if not maybe four weeks like a movie like dune or something like one of those kinds of movies they spend i guarantee they spend at least like a month you know just doing the final mix like zimmer delivered his score and the sound guys delivered all their sound design and they just spent weeks and weeks and weeks just like you know just just fine-tuning finessing that thing so it was perfect. it's perfect it's an amazing movie right so there's you know, and I'm sure that Zimmer spent way more than six weeks on that score. You know, like he probably spent, you know, months and months because, like, such right. a movie is such, so much is on the line. There's so much money involved. You might spend, you know, four, five, six months on a movie like that. You know, I mean, sure. um, you, might, you might get involved way early too. I mean, it's just, but so it, it ranges all the way from, you know, spending six months on a movie, a year in a movie, who knows, on the biggest movies to spending two weeks <laughs> or four days on an episode of television, right? Four days uh, to deliver an hour long episode of television. I mean, like that that's, that's the, that's the crazy extremes of, of the life of a composer.
0: Well, this film is definitely one that uh, is rewatchable, dope monster, good story. Um, and in the end, uh, the thing that complements it very, very well is, again, your score, man. So oh, congratulations. Yeah. Um, where can everybody kind of keep track of what you've got going on, what you got coming out? You mentioned that thriller. Where can everybody keep tabs?
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess, first of all, the, the score comes out tomorrow. I think I mentioned that earlier on streaming everywhere. So iTunes, okay. Spotify, you know, YouTube music, wherever else you listen to your music, Amazon. Um, we're going to get, you know, so that it's you know, obviously everyone's streaming now. So check that out uh, tomorrow, Friday the 15th. Um, and then as far as like following me, I've got, you know, I've got the social medias, right. Uh, Instagram, it's Christian Davis composer, Twitter. It's like C Davis compose, like C M P S R like a shorter version. Cause at the time you couldn't have a long handle. I don't know. Maybe you can have longer handles now. Yeah. Um, and then obviously my website, christiandavismusic.com. Um, you can check me out there and probably find links. You'll find links to my, my social media there. So check me out on, on my website on social media and um, and on on the, the streaming music services.
0: Cool, man. Awesome. Well, Christian, we'll definitely uh, have you back on here at some point and touch base and see what you've got cooking up. We also – I mean we got nerd shows and other shows too, so – Maybe at some point you're on the other show talking about another childhood heartstring that you're pulling on with <laughs> your <laughs> with your musical strings. Uh, the awesome. uh, but anyway, man, thank you very much for taking the time out. We appreciate it, and uh, we do. We want we will get you uh, back on here down the line.
1: I thanks, man. It was it was it was a pleasure. I I loved it. Great, great talk. So there you go. One more time, Christian.
0: Really appreciate him taking the time to talk to us, to uh, have the interview with us. And if you are uh, into horror man, Christian Davis uh, also did Behind You that we talked about during that interview. That is another really crazy movie um, that is worth checking out too, that came out uh, earlier. Uh, later I want to say late 2021 early 2022 so be on the lookout for both of those nameless days and behind you and whatever christian has in the works next I am sure it's going to be a good one so next week we have another guest on the show for a shutter exclusive film uh his name another composer it's always fun to get these composers and just talk uh stuff like that but night's end is the name of the film christopher riano is the composer and i am definitely looking forward to talking with christopher about everything attached with that film stay tuned for that next week this week uh, a doozy of a Campfire Chronicles is all I will say. Like, completely off the rail, Campfire Chronicles, this week. Wait until you listen to that show. That's on Wednesday, uh, or tomorrow, I should say, at the posting of this show. And Thursday, you're going to get the Hollywood Studios uh, tribute show in the wake of uh, that theme park series as well so a big time three podcasts right in a row for you from us cannot wait for you guys to be able to listen enjoy and yeah stay tuned everybody
1: I'm going wander around the hotel alone. No place for a little girl. All right, this is Wendy. This is my niece, Carol. She's staying with us for a while. Alan! Behind each door, there's
0: a private server.